But the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews and some with the apostles. When an attempt was made by both Gentile and Jew with their rulers to mistreat them and to stone them, they learned of it and fled to Lystra and Derbe, cities of Lyconia, and to the surrounding country. And there they continued to preach the gospel. I love that. You can threaten to stone them, but you can't stop their preaching. It's just amazing. Now at Lystra, there was a man sitting who could not use his feet. He was crippled from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul speaking and Paul looking intently at him and seeing that he had faith to be made well. He said in a loud voice, stand upright on your feet. And he sprang up and began walking. When the crowd saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices, saying in Lyconian, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. Barnabas, they called Zeus and Paul Hermes because he was the chief speaker. And the priest of Zeus, whose temple was at the entrance to the city, he brought oxen and garlands to the gates and wanted to offer sacrifices uh, with the crowds. But when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of it, they tore their garments and rushed out into the crowd, crying out, men, why are you doing these things? We also are men of like nature with you, and we bring you good news that you should turn from these vain things to a living God who made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that is in them. In past generations, he allowed all the nations to walk in their own ways. Yet he did not leave himself without witness, for he did good by giving you rain from heaven and fruitful seasons, satisfying your hearts with food and gladness. Even with these words, they scarcely restrained the people from offering sacrifice to them. But Jews came from Antioch and Iconium and having persuaded the crowds, They stoned Paul and dragged him out of the city, supposing that he was dead. But when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city. And on the next day, he went on with Barnabas to Derbe. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to Lystra and to Iconia and to Antioch. Strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders for them in every church with prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they had believed. Then they passed through Pisidia and came to Pamphylia. And when they had spoken the word in Perga, They went down to Italia and from there they sailed to Antioch where they had been commended to the grace of God for the work that they had fulfilled. And when they arrived and gathered the church together, they declared all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. And they remained no little time with the disciples. Let's pray. Father, this is an incredible text. And I just love the truth of the gospel. I love the truth that these men are so incredibly devoted to Christ and advancing the gospel that threats 
of stoning and legitimate stoning unto almost death doesn't stop them on their mission. They are persistent in their devotion to Christ. May it be so of us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. What an adventure, right? So this, this text is unbelievable. I wanted to tackle the whole text, even though there's a lot going on in this whole chapter. I wanted to tackle it all because it's an incredible story. This is a, a big chunk of Paul's first missionary journey. And, uh, you know, we started this journey back in Antioch last week and he traveled down to Cyprus, the, the, uh, the island there. And he uh, dealt with a magician and he went over and uh, preached to the, the, the leader there, the governor. And then he comes up to where we are now the mainland side, and he goes all the way up to another city called Antioch, preaches there, travels around a bit, and then eventually, by the end of this chapter, he's back in in Antioch in Syria, which is where he started the whole thing. So we're we're kind of making full circle with these last couple of weeks, and we get to see his sending church, send him out, all that happens, and then he comes back, and today he gives report at the end of this chapter of some incredible stuff. I absolutely love... The risky, dangerous, and courageous storyline in this text. I love it. These guys trek through. We we don't even get into the details of what kind of terrain. But they have to cross really rough terrain to get to these locations. Then when they get there, they preach the gospel of grace. While their opposition is coming at them in full attack mode. Right? Then... Their lives are are threatened, so they leave there. They go to the outskirts uh, country villages, and they begin preaching the gospel there too, making disciples all along the way. These guys are absolute beasts. I just I love the, their how vigilant they are with the gospel. Somehow, though, this doesn't seem. To translate into what it means to being a Christian today. If you've ever found yourself bored with Christianity, read this passage again and ask yourself if what you're doing is anything like what they were doing. Following Christ should be an adventure of faith. It should be an absolute adventure. It's the reason I titled this message today, Gospel Adventure, because I want us to see that following Christ and fishing for men is dangerous. It requires incredible courage. The spiritual battlefield that these guys embark upon is what we've been called to as well. We're called to be constantly looking and following the Holy Spirit into the battlefield of this world to advance the kingdom of God. Well, that may be that may look different for each of us. You know, you go to your job every day, but that's where God is sending you off to war. You go home or to your neighborhood or you go wherever, wherever you go, you are going for the cause of the gospel. And some among us are meant to be sent out to unreached and hard to go places. Think about this for a minute. Paul calls us very clearly to put on the whole what? Armor. 
Why do you need armor if you never go to battle? Put on the whole armor of God. You only need armor if you're following Christ into courageous places. I think um, there's a lot we could say about this, but truly living for Christ is war. Truly living for Christ is war. Years ago, um, we had some epic games of Capture the Flag. Anybody ever play Capture the Flag? All right, come on, guys. Men, come on, guys. Hands up. If you play Capture the Flag, I love it. All right, so here's the deal. When I was a little bit younger, maybe college age, maybe younger than that, um, we would, uh, a group of guys, we would deck out in all black or camouflage. I mean, I'm talking face paint, eye black, I'm talking two-way radios. The, the whole, it was embarrassing, really, looking back, right? All right, so, but we would, we would get together, we'd, we'd split up in teams strategically to make sure the teams were kind of balanced, and then these teams would come together and we'd coordinate, we'd have a strategy. All right, here's what you're gonna do. You're gonna flank this way. We're gonna, we'd have, a, we'd have a, a game plan. We would strategize about how to breach through the neutral zone, did y'all know this? There's a neutral zone. <laughs> Capture the flag. Breach through the neutral zone. Cross over into enemy territory. Take their flag. Sneak as quickly as we could back to our territory. Plant that flag all without losing our own flag, right? This is, that's the game. Capture the flag. These games were intense. I mean, me and my buddies, we, we would crawl through mud we jumped fences. I jumped into a briar patch one time. It was terrible. Uh, we, we ran like our lives depended on it, playing this game. But once that target, once that flag was acquired, it was, it was just a mad dash back to our home base to win the victory, right? These games were incredibly intense. I think I'm breaking a sweat just thinking about it, right? Just... They, it was, we were all in on that. Why is taking a flag, which by the way was like a stick with a do-rag tied to it, taking a flag from one backyard to another, why is that more exhilarating than rescuing a soul from darkness to light? Christian, don't you know that you have been recruited to join the most amazing mission on the planet. One of the problems in the church today is that we've reduced being a Christian down to just coming to attend a church gathering. Don't buy it. That's not it. The church gathering is super important or I wouldn't be wasting my time and neither would you. It's super important. We're going to see that in this text. But church gatherings are not for entertainment or stirring your emotions. We gather to exalt Christ, to encourage one another, and to equip for the mission. We gather as the church to exalt Christ. I hope you heard that in the way we sing this morning. Christ is enough for me. We gather to exalt 
Jesus. We open his word. We look and we say, oh, Christ is glorious. We gather to exalt Christ. We gather to encourage. And I don't want to feminize that word. What I want to tell you is encourage means to give courage. Why do you need courage? Because that world is hard. And it's hard to live boldly for Jesus. It's easy to fade into the background and just fade in and be like one of them. It's hard to stand out and proclaim the gospel in a dark world that hates our gospel. And you need courage to do it faithfully. So we gather to say, have you been a faithful witness this week? We encourage one another and then we equip for the mission. When we gather, it's much like that, that little huddle of, of young men who are in their eye black and, and getting a strategy together. What are we going to do this week to, to reach people with the gospel? This is an equipping gathering. When we open this word, it's to exalt Christ. It's to know our God. It's to be encouraged in the spirit. And it's to equip you with truth so that you can go into a world full of lies. I want us to see in this text how our God is at work and that he is calling you to join him in the gospel adventure. I want you to notice at the end of this chapter, we're going to start at the end and then work our way back in. But at the end of this chapter, when Paul and Barnabas come back at the end of this first journey, they they gather the people of God in Antioch, all the people that sent them out, they gather back together with them. And the Bible says in verse 27, they declare all that God had done with them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles. God is the main character of this story, and he's doing incredible things with them. He's opening doors for them. Here's the deal. God is making the waves and these guys are just riding them. This is the work the Holy Spirit had set them apart to do when Antioch first sent them out in chapter 13, verse 2. And now Christ has been with them, enabling and empowering the mission all along the way. The mission Jesus set out for them, all the way back in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. You will be my witnesses in all Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. That mission is unfolding in every city they go to. Jesus is doing the work. So here's my question. I want to ask you, and then we're going to spend just a few minutes answering this question. How can you suit up in your black and camo, put on your spiritual eye black, get your two-way radio? How can you join God on his mission. How can you join God on his mission? First, from this passage, speak the gospel. Speak the gospel. I think so many of us believe that all all we need to do in life when we go from here and we go out into our daily lives, all we need to do is just You know, live a good witness, you know, be a good person, be honest, be respectable, be be kind, be be generous. All we do, we just need to set the example. 
And what I want to tell you is people don't get saved by your example. They need your witness, your words. The gospel is a message that must be shared. We must speak the truth. Now, your your example is incredibly important. Don't don't neglect that. The example is the platform for the message. You got to live it in order for it for the message to have any kind of impact. But here's what I want you to see. Look at the text. I want you to walk with me. Verse one. Verse one says they spoke in such a way that a great number believed. Verse three. The Bible says they were speaking boldly for the Lord. Verse seven. Keep tracking with me. The Bible says they continued to preach the gospel. Verse 15, Paul says he's crying out to them. In verse 15, he says, we bring you good news. News has to be communicated. They're speaking. Verse 21, they go to another city and it says when they had spoken or when they had preached the gospel in verse 21. And then in verse 25, they go to Perga when they had spoken the word in Perga. Here's the point. The gospel is a spoken word. It's a spoken message. I want to call you to speak the gospel. These followers knew that if they were to fish for men, they would actually have to cast the net by speaking the gospel. Paul and Barnabas became fluent in gospel speaking. They, they became what I call being gospel fluent. They worked on getting to the cross no matter where the conversation started. Um, and here's, here's the point. If we are going to reach people for Christ, we must preach the gospel of Christ. And I don't mean, like I said earlier, I don't mean just really being nice and saying, God bless you. I mean, telling people who Christ is and why they need him. In 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, Peter says to be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. In 2 Timothy 2 or 2 Timothy 4, verse 2, Paul, Paul adds to be prepared in season and out of season. So be ready to give an answer in season and out of season for the hope that's in you. Be ready to speak the gospel. In Ephesians 5, 16, Paul encourages us to make the most of every opportunity. And in Colossians 4, 2 through 5, he says to redeem the time for the days are evil. We're, we're to speak truth. Speak it. Here's the reality. Speaking the gospel is how you join the fight. Listen, speaking the gospel is how you join the fight. Part of the armor that Paul calls us to put on is shoes. He says, put on the shoes of readiness of the gospel of peace. We're called to speak the gospel. Secondly, how do you how do you suit up and get ready to join God's mission? Here we go. Second thing, submit to the spirit. Submit to the spirit. Paul and Barnabas are making some decisions. They're making decisions constantly as we read this chapter. Um, think about it. 
They've just left um, an island called Cyprus. They've gotten on a boat. They've sailed north. And, and they've got to be thinking, okay, where do we go? Who's making that decision? Then when they get there, when do we speak? You remember in the last chapter, they went to the synagogue. They sat and they were invited to speak. You know, they sent word to him and said, hey, if you have a word to share, share it. These guys are making decisions on the fly. When do we speak? Then what do we say? You notice in this chapter, they they preach a gospel that's a little different approach than it was in the last chapter. It's not quite so historical. It's more creation and common grace focused. But what do we speak? What do we say? And then, well, now that they hate us. What do we do? Do we stay? Do we go? And they make a decision. They flee. They go to another place. Oh, there's a crippled man. What do we do? What do we say? Oh, my goodness. These people think we're gods. Oh, no. What do we do? What do we say? And I want us to think these seem like impulsive decisions. But they are the decisions of people who are submitted to the Holy Spirit. These are not just impulsive reactions of people just doing what they think is the right thing or the best thing to do. It's not just cognitive. I'm going to make a decision. No, this is in submission, yielding my will to the Holy Spirit. I'm going to do what he says to do. So they fled the stoning because the spirit led them to flee. They saw a crippled man. And the spirit let them see that he had faith to believe. So Paul spoke as the spirit led him to speak. And the man was healed by God. The people, after that miracle, begin worshiping them. Paul and Barnabas tear their clothes in godly sorrow and rejection of that blasphemy. Then the spirit guides them to redirect the people's praise to the one true God. We could go on and on and on through this text. And what you see is at every turn, every decision being made is being made yielded to the Holy Spirit of God. And what I want to tell us, church, is if we're going to be on God's mission If we're going to be, you know, suited up, wearing the eyeglass, going into the world on God's mission, we've got to constantly be receiving commands from the Spirit and submitting our will to His. There are going to be times that the Lord says, I want you to say something. And you have a split decision to make. But split decisions, for those... Engaged in the mission of God, split decisions must be spirit led decisions. We could go on and on. I want to tell you, yield yourself to the Holy Spirit. And you will join him in amazing things. Just this week, I had something pretty amazing happen Um, every week. Uh, those of you who fill out a, a, one of those welcome cards, every week I try to take them and just thumb through those welcome cards. I pull out two or three and just pray over those. And sometimes make a phone call or two or text, something to encourage you. And uh, this week I was thumbing through those welcome cards. I came across one and um, 
The person who filled it out just wrote, please pray for me and listed a few things. And so I prayed over those things. And then I just felt the, the Holy Spirit say, you should call him. I don't know this person. I honestly did not know this person. And I just thought, okay, well, I'll call. So I, I dialed the number and uh, he answered the phone. And I said, hey, um, this is Justin from Mountain View Church. I was just flipping through our, our guest cards and wanted you to know I was praying for you. Anything in particular I could pray for you about. And he started laughing. And he said, I can't believe you just called me. I cannot believe you just called me. And I said, well, uh, okay. <laughs> I didn't know how to respond to that. And uh, he went on and he said, I literally just was talking to my mom about an issue that we're going through. And she was encouraging me to, that I needed to get back in church and asked me if I found a church in this area. And I told her that I had visited a church, but it's been like six or seven months because of the coronavirus. I haven't been in six or seven months and I'd only visited. And she said, well, do you think you would want to go back? And he said, I think I would, you know, I think I would. And she was like, well, I think you really ought to do that. And just right then, you beeped in. Now, I want you to think about this. This man's not been here in six or seven months. He's on the phone with his mother. She says, I really think you need to get back in church. And she's encouraging him to get back in church. And he's saying, I visited a church six or seven months ago, but I haven't been back since. And right at that moment, the Holy Spirit says, call this man. I call this man. I beep in on that phone call. He clicks over and says, I can't believe you just called me. He told me that story and we just celebrated together. I said, well, I guess that was a coincidence, wasn't it? And he was like, not a chance. He's like, I'll see you soon. I want to tell you, when the Lord leads you to do something, do it. Don't hesitate. Do it. Be yielded to the Holy Spirit and walk in faith with what he leads you to do. So submit to the Spirit. Thirdly, strengthen the church. Strengthen the church. Paul and Barnabas didn't just pop in and preach a few sermons, then move on. No, they, they stayed. They established churches, healthy churches. They appointed elders in every church and then entrusted them to the Lord. That's what uh, the text tells us in verses 22 and 23. It says that they stayed and strengthened the churches. Now, I want you to think about the context for, for that. Paul was just stoned in Lystra. They dragged him out of the city thinking he was dead. But they gathered around the, the disciples gathered around his lifeless body. Paul was thought to be dead. But the church gathered around his lifeless body and God revived his strength. Now, when you read this text, it's, it blows my mind 
Just the way Luke writes it, it's just so crazy. You know, they stoned him and they drug him out of the city. Everybody thought he was dead. The, the, the little group of disciples gathers around him. He rises up and goes right back into the city. Now, if you don't think that's wild and courageous, you may want to read it again. This, this dude is on an adventure and he's absolutely determined. But as we just talked about, he's submitted to the Holy Spirit. So he goes back into the city, but he doesn't stay there. He leaves the next day. He goes to other, other towns and preaches the gospel. And then he comes back to Lystra. So the city that stoned him and drug him out, he goes back to that city. Why does he go back? Well, the Bible tells us. In verse 22, it says he goes back to strengthen the souls of the disciples. Encouraging them. Remember that word means to give courage. He encourages them to continue in the faith, saying that through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. Now he had a right to say that, didn't he? He had just been stoned almost to death. He had a right to say, This mission's gonna be hard, but stay the course. Can you even imagine? This is the guy that you saw an angry mob throwing rocks at him and stoning him to death. So you thought somehow he rose up right in front of you and now he has come back to strengthen his church. Now, if this doesn't remind you of Jesus Christ, let me help you see it. This could have been similar to what the first apostles must have felt after watching Jesus be crucified and buried, believing him to be dead. And he was dead. But then God raised him from the dead. And then those early believers are hearing Jesus make a call to them. Be bold. If they persecuted and killed me, they will persecute you. But the mission is worth it. Advance the gospel. This is what Jesus is calling us to church. He's saying to us, this is my mission. And we are serving our king. Now, notice Paul went back into the city that stoned him and left him for dead. Why? He went back to invest in the church. I told you when we first started this message that the gathering of the church is important. In fact, when we read this text, we must say it is actually life and death important. The gathering of this body is so incredibly important that Paul was willing to risk his life again just to establish and strengthen the church. So let's don't take this gathering for granted. Let's resolve to be committed to the church body for Jesus' sake. Don't just show up to church. Strengthen the church. That's what we see from Paul and Barnabas. And lastly, we seek God's glory alone. We seek God's glory alone. Um. I'll take just two minutes to do this, uh, but in 15, 
17, there was um, a man named Martin Luther. And Martin Luther's famous for 95 theses. Uh, I was telling my kids about this this weekend while we were trick-or-treating. And my daughter, my youngest, her name is Reese. And I said, 95 theses. And she said, 95 Reese's? No, baby. Although that would have been tasty. Uh, 95 theses. Martin Luther nailed the 95 theses to the, the, the church house door. And, and here's the premise. That was the beginning of the Reformation. And we are a, we are a part of the Protestant church as, a, as reformers. Being reformed from a, a wrong way of thinking. A, a false gospel. And here's the false gospel. It's that... Well, here's the true gospel. We are saved by grace alone. Through faith alone. In Christ alone. For God's glory alone. These are the things that Martin Luther stood for. They're called the five solas. The only one I didn't mention is scripture alone. And the essence is is this. We get the truth about God from scripture alone. This is our authority, right? It's not my opinion or your opinion that matters. It's what this word says that matters. So we stand firmly on this book, Scripture alone. And then this is, this is the essence of the gospel. We come into relationship with our God by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for God's glory alone. These Missionaries, Paul and Barnabas, they arrive back home in Antioch. They gather the church together and they, the way they retell the story of what happened, it gives God all the glory. They've just seen some amazing miracles happen. I mean, Paul was stoned and, and lived again, right? Many people have believed a crippled man's ankles became strong. He jumped up. New churches have been established. And when they come back to give report, they say, look at what God did. Even one of the biggest moments that happened in Lystra. The healing of a crippled man. Paul and Barnabas have an opportunity to seize a little bit of praise, right? The people say, look, the gods have come down to us in the likeness of men. And they wanted to go get a sacrifice and worship these two men. And Paul and Barnabas ripped their clothes in defiance of this kind of blasphemy. If you remember back two chapters ago, there was another man, King Herod Agrippa. He chose to bask in the worship of men. For him, life got a little bit wormy after that. But you guys, y'all humor my. My dad jokes. I, I love you so much. My wife doesn't laugh, but you do. Thank you. Um, here's, the, here's the reality. Paul and Barnabas, they were there hoping the people would see the great worth of Christ, not their own value. They weren't there hoping the people liked them. They weren't there hoping for, you know, maybe these people will really think we're something. No. The minute the attention turned to them, they tore their clothes. They said, we're just men like you. Point your praise to God. Give all glory to Christ. 
I love um, imagining my way through the scriptures. And I can imagine Paul and Barnabas telling this story to their friends in Antioch. They're kind of bouncing it back and forth. And Barnabas jumps in. He's like, guys, it was so amazing. God showed us exactly what he wanted us to do, exactly where he wanted us to go. We, we, we climbed over some rugged terrain. We just stumbled our way into Antioch. We sat down in, a, in the synagogue and they gave us an opportunity to preach. And Paul jumps in and he's like, yeah, I didn't really know what to say. But I just started preaching and the Lord, the Spirit was just blessing it. People, I mean, Jews and Gentiles alike, everyone, so many people were believing. And Barnabas jumps in again. He's like, yeah, but there were some that just hated, hated it, hated our message. They wanted to stone us. Paul says, yeah, so God ultimately led us to go to some other towns and preach the gospel there. We we made our way into Lystra and we we saw this man who was crippled and. The Lord let me see that he was believing my message. He was believing the gospel. The Lord let me see that. The Lord actually told me to tell him to stand up. And I spoke it and he jumped up. It was amazing. Barnabas chimes in. You should have seen his little bitty feet. They got strong. People were gathering from all over the place. Then those people actually wanted to worship us. But God showed us how to steer the message to the gospel. We could go on and on, but I want you to hear what they're saying. They keep saying this. God did it. God did it. God did it. Look what God did. Look how God used us. God opened a door for the gospel. Look what God has done. This is what it's like to be on a gospel adventure. All glory be to Christ. Church, open your eyes. See God at work in your life. Speak the gospel and cast the net. Listen and follow the spirit. Pour your life into the church. This is not a thing you come to and entertained and have your heart's emotions stirred. We want to equip you. We want to pull you into exalting Jesus. We want to encourage you to be bold with your witness wherever you live, work and play. Pour your life into this church. And all along the way, give God the glory he is due. All of it.